Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. You know, something that is kind of hardwired in all of us, it's kind of innate, deep within us, is having a father's affection and approval. It's something that, that we look for, we long for, and we desperately at times look for. And that's the attention and the approval of a father. Um, I can remember um, when I played Little League Baseball and I, was, uh, I pitched, played shortstop, and a little, little hot. Um, and when I, uh, I remember when I would strike out a batter or I'd throw somebody out from a shortstop, um, you know, I always longed to hear that, you know, good job, champ, or go get him, Doug. I was Doug. That's my family knew me as Doug, not Sam. So, um, but, you know, we all want that part of us that just kind of wants someone to champion us, you know? It's kind of like, you know, you know, some of you ladies here have always, you, you want to hear, oh, come on, Rosebud, that's awesome, you know? Or you're, you're at your dance recital, and, and you look up, and, and you just see your dad beaming and looking at you. Or you're at a track meet, or whatever event you're doing. If you're at band rehearsal, or a, or a a big, and it's okay. I like this. She is wonderful. <laughs> and so in that, um, I, uh, we all long for that, just that father's noticing us. Because it's, it's just deep in us. We can't just overlook that. That's something that we long for. And, and yet this longing, even when we get older, actually doesn't stop. Even when we get older, we still long for a father's affection and some level of, of an approval of a father. So no matter if you're five years older or 85 years old, we still long for approval. And, and in some ways, uh, we try to fill it in sometimes not, not the best ways. That longing, it's, it's kind of like you have a, a void in you that you keep trying to fill with other things to meet that need. And actually, you're not able to get that satisfaction that you need and that approval. And, and I realize that Father's Day is, honestly, from, from a pastor's standpoint, it can be very problematic because everybody's experience of the Father has been different. Some good, some hard, some challenging. Father was never there. Maybe your father's passed away. But the fact is, um, it can strike a hurt in some people that's right below the surface. Or it could be something that you buried in the depths of the sea and you don't even want to look at it anymore. So it's on all levels that this topic touches. And 
But there's something today that I believe the Lord wants to do. And that's to take whatever level of experience that you've had with a father and, and lead you into the arms of a perfect father. And, you know, because a perfect father, there's no variation and there's no unexpected things that are going to pop up. He's not going to pull the rug out from under you. He's not going to say one thing and do another thing. He's going to be very consistent. He doesn't change. And in that, Matthew 5, 48 says something very, very clearly about our Father in heaven. Matthew 5, 48 says this. Since you are children of a perfect Father in heaven, become perfect like Him. So we're already identifying that that there is a, a perfect Father in heaven. Perfection. He's not like subpar. He's perfection. And I love what uh, Louis Giglio said in his book, The Perfect Father. God is not a reflection of your earthly dad. He is the perfection of your earthly dad. God's not just a bigger version of your earthly father. He's everything you've ever wanted your dad to be and more. Wow. That says it all. So here's the encouragement to everyone here today. And that's this. No matter where things are with your earthly dad, you have a perfect father in heaven who loves you, approves you, accepts you, and he wants to bless you. And it's his desire and his motivation to affirm you right where you are and to love you to life. You know, it was Christ was fully man and he was fully God. So at his, the baptism, when John was there and when John baptized Jesus, the father could not wait he could not wait to open up the sky and to basically declare something that everyone would hear and also that Jesus would hear. Jesus just needed that affirmation just like you and I. And so what he said was this, y'all, this is my boy in whom I am well pleased. I bet y'all didn't think that God was Southern, but he is. He said, Y'all, this is my boy. He's top shelf. I love him and I delight in him. I like everything about my boy. And he expressed his heart. And a father, the true father, wants to give approval just like he did over Jesus. He wants to speak that approval over you. You all got to drink this in because... Many of your cups are still wanting to be full for a father's approval and affection. And it, it might be that father was there, but really not there. He was so busy. He worked all the time. He basically just was kind of like here today and seem, seemingly gone tomorrow. And it's like your heart wants to believe that there's one that will never leave you and will always see you and always know you. And understand you. Psalm 20, 
7 is one of my favorite psalms because David is declaring his fearless trust in God. He trusts God so much. And his deepest longing was to be in the house of God. And, and to be in the house of God, he, he really basically saying, I just want to be with my papa. I just want to be where he is. And I long to be there. And I love to, to declare that he's always going to defend me and protect me. So he's declaring, in essence, the beauty of who God is in his life. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of the psalm, he just shifts gears in verse 10. And it's kind of a peculiar twist in the psalm. And then he declares this, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. And I've always read that. And, and Scripture doesn't clearly say why David felt like his mother and his father had forsaken him. But he says, the Lord's going to take me up. I don't know what experience David went through in his childhood. There's a lot of historical writings on it, being that his father was the grandson of of, of a family that had some questionable backgrounds. But I don't want to get into all of that, but the fact be known, what David experienced as a young child was that he did not feel wanted. He did not feel accepted. He had a whole bunch of other brothers, and they all clearly were felt a part of the family. But it was clear that David had something in his heart that it... He just didn't feel like he, no one noticed him. And, and it really became clear when Samuel came to the house to anoint a new king over Israel. And his father left David out in the field, tending the sheep, and all of his other sons were there. And he wasn't even considered in the equation as somebody that would qualify to be king of Israel. So in that there's that understanding that David felt ostracized. He felt shelved. He felt put on, uh, on the backside of the hill and not even a candidate to be anointed. However, what happened to him as a child affected him. And the beautiful thing about it is that God was going to reparent his son. He was going to show him what a true father is. Even though we read in Psalm 69, verse 7 and 8, listen to this. Psalm 69, verse 78. This is David. Because for your sake, I have been born a reproach. David did not feel like his birth was legitimate. He felt like he was a reproach. There was something wrong with him. Dishonor has covered my face. I have become estranged from my brothers and an alien to my mother's sons. Even his brothers had a disdain for David. They did not like him, accept him, did not want him. But in that, God so beautifully throughout his years began to show him the image of what a true father is. 
And in that, it, it, it kind of erased all the negativity and all the challenges that he went through in his life. And it sustained his heart such that he knew, if, even if my mom and dad forsake me, God is my papa and he's going to take me up and he'll never leave me. And when you have that assurance in your heart, you know that whatever you go through in life, the struggles, the pains, the challenges, you know that your dad is going to be there cheering you on. And so, but even if the blessing of approval of a father has escaped you, I just want to declare to you today, the love of God our Father can still find you. It can still reach you. It can still find that area where you are and can meet you where you are, even if your dad is no longer alive. Even if your dad is never around. God can still find you and hold you close in his arms. And even if you've experienced a breakdown, like a separation from your dad, it doesn't mean that it's over with concerning this whole dad issue. I mean, honestly, there's a number of people that aren't here today because this is not a really popular issue. The dad issue is always the thing that a lot of people keep in the closet and they just don't want to talk about. But I want you to know today I'm excited to stand before you and tell you that there is a papa that loves you and approves you and likes you just the way you are. And he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. And this dad issue doesn't have to be an issue anymore. It can be brought to the surface. It can be healed. It can be restored. It can be mended. And you have a new understanding of who your God is. You know, really... There can be a miracle recovery today in your heart. It's a miracle when your heart is recovered and restored and that, that longing of waiting to hear dad shout out at you from, from the grandstand at the baseball field, come on, champ! You can hear it from your father. So you don't have to keep looking for it. See, what happens is that so many people keep looking for a father's approval in all the wrong places. Do you realize that? We try to fill it with drugs, alcohol, or women, or money, or whatever. It gets filled by a lot of things. But this issue can actually be a miracle story in your own personal life. And all God is asking you to do today is this. Would you just give him a chance? Give him a chance. Give him an opportunity Take that one step towards him. Take the leap in his arms. It's like, if this is true what I am saying, give him an opportunity to meet you. Let him hit that area where you said, mm-mm, it's to stand under the ground. Don't let it stay there anymore. I'm going to tell you, there's a quote of, by A.W. Tozer in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy. Y'all read Tozer before? Okay. What comes into our minds, this is what he said, quote, 
What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Wow. Let me read that again. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. This thought about God is foundational to everyone. Everyone. Having the thought that I'm approved, liked, wanted, treasured, and loved by God, who is our Father, is the most important thing about us. Period. So, it is foundational. You know, many of us know God as immortal, all-powerful, invisible, almighty, who's from the beginning to the end, the alpha, the omega. He's, he's the, the, he is everything. He is the big kahuna. And we know that God is love. But to succinctly describe the exact representation of himself to who he is as a father, he chose one person. And all these other things I just said about him are true. It's in the Bible. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. All this is true. But to succinctly communicate, describe, give people an illustration. And I love, I love what Rebecca said. You know, sometimes the best way to communicate God's heart sometimes is through stories. It, it just represents him in a way that people get it. It's like, oh, yeah. That story. Well, Jesus was a storybook for humanity. People just looked at his life. It was a story that unfolded the Father's heart to everybody. And, but he chose his son Jesus to be the one to be the perfect, exact representation of God the Father. So it says, when you look into the face of Jesus, you see him. You see the Father when you look into the face of Jesus. So let's look at Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son whom he apportioned, appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. He is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. Do you read that? He is the exact representation of his nature, God our Father, and upholds all things, by the word of his power. So when people were looking into the face of Jesus, they were getting the, the glory of God, the reflection of God was shining through the face of Jesus. Now, it's not saying that God had brown eye, brown hair, brown eyes. He was five foot eight and he wore a robe and had sandals. He didn't just physically look like Jesus. But what this is communicating is that basically the heart of Jesus, 
how he felt, how he operated, what he did, what he communicated. Everything about Jesus was an exact representation of God the Father. And you know, I love what Philip said when he asked Jesus. He said, you know what, because Jesus was constantly showing who was constantly talking about his father. Do you know that that was his passion? The Lord's passion was one thing, and that was to do the will of the father and to communicate who the father was. And he loved to talk about his dad. That was his passion, and that was his desire. And so in all of his discussions, there was, came a moment when Philip says, you know what, Jesus why don't you just go ahead and show us the Father? Why don't you just take it to him? Well, let us see him. You talk about him so much. And then John, in John 14, verse 6 through 10, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him, and have seen him. And then Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. It's like he didn't get it. And Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you've not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his work. <laughs> you know, I imagine, you know, Jesus had a lot of patience. I mean, come on. Sometimes his disciples just did not get it. And they were challenging at times, difficult at times, and, and, and sometimes they just, plan, they just weren't listening. Have you ever been, been with your children? You know, you're just not listening to me. Come on, listen to me. Well, the reality was is that Jesus was very patient, but he's like, you know what, Philip? I want you just to understand something. I am here representing my father. So when you say that, I just want you to know that when you look into me, you're looking into a reflection of who God the Father is. And they're like, really? Yeah, really. I'm a reflection of him. And then the Apostle Paul described how important this whole thing is of understanding God as a father. In Ephesians 1, verses 17 through 18, let's look at that. Ephesians 1, 17 through 18. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you may know Him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance and his holy people. Do you see that? That he would give to us a spirit of wisdom. And go back to verse 17, if you could, please. 
a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. Because, see, the way we've been programmed in the natural is that we got many misconceptions of what a true father is. We see it through the grid of our own experiences. We understand it in a limited way. And it really takes God to understand God. So what he's saying is, I pray that God would give you, because Paul had experienced what it is to know a true father. So he's praying, I received it through revelation. I received it through a spirit of wisdom. And I pray a spirit of revelation and wisdom be given to you that you might know God as your papa. So it comes through revelation and it comes through wisdom. You know, wisdom is really knowing how to walk out the revelation that's been given to you. It's how to be a son, how to be a daughter, how to wake up every morning and say, Papa, it's a new day, and I'm so glad you're with me right now. And it's, it's realizing that he will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, the sense of God's affection, approval, and his presence is something that he wants you to walk in every day. And the challenge for a lot of us is that through our experiences in life, our spirits are shut down to the, to the reality of that close of intimacy with anybody because of hurt and disappointment and things have just not gone the way we wanted. Things were not supposed to end with mom and dad splitting up. And so therefore, that part of your heart is like, whew, I don't know if I can open that back up again. And the reality is, is that he wants your spirit to, to open up to the revelation that maybe there is a father that's dependable and will always be there for you. There was nothing that Jesus wanted more than to reveal his father to others. There's nothing. It's his passion. It was his desire. So I, I want to just briefly talk about feeling forsaken. Because Paul said, though my mother and my father have forsaken me, and that can be in all levels, the Lord will take me up. So I want to begin by explaining what I mean by forsaken. You know, this is something which all of us experience at some time, but often we do not recognize it. I mean, personally, I would say that feeling forsaken is, or rejected, is really one of the most common emotional, spiritual problems that's really, that is suffering or impacting many people in our modern society. It's just this problem of feeling left. So what do I mean by forsaken? It could be defined in words such as feeling unwanted, feeling unworthy, not really belonging. It's almost like you just don't feel like you have a home inside your heart. 
somehow being excluded or overlooked. And I think of the person who suffers from any type of feeling forsaken. This wound is, it, it makes you feel like you're on the outside looking in. Looking in. You're, you're kind of like on the outskirts and you're not really a part of the family. You want to be a part of the family. You want to be a part of the joy. You want to be a part of the acceptance. You want to be celebrated and you want to be a part of the love story. But feeling forsaken for many others makes them feel lonely. There's, there's misery. There can be self-pity. Often even more terrible things like even despair and suicide can kick in. Where people try to just say, you know what? I just can't handle life anymore. I'm just giving up. And so in that, you know, it can be a bitter root of rejection in the heart that God just kind of wants to pull out the bitter root and heal the heart on the inside. He wants to restore that heart. So, where your new story now can start with God as your father is through forgiveness. I can remember when my father, when I was young, um, he used to, in many ways, tear me down with his words. And in that, um, like I was never going to measure up, you know, you know, you're, you're not smart, you're stupid. And, and he would say things to me that just like, you know, it's like, you know, like, oh my gosh, dad, can you say something nice? You know, you know, and, and when he's communicating those things, I thought, why does he make me feel so alienated or rejected? I always felt like he celebrated my sister. You know, your sister does this. Your sister does that. She's, she's, she's a professional. She's making all this money. Look at you. I'm like, thanks, Dad. And, but the reality came when I, I realized that when I had been forgiven of so much, the reality is that we're able to forgive because we have been forgiven. And sometimes forgiving a father can be really a difficult, difficult. I remember asking my dad, I said, dad, I remember why in all those years, why did you always tear me down? And you know what he said to me? He said, it's because I didn't want you to get the big head. And I went, dad, you tore me down emotionally because you didn't want me to get a big head. I said, dad, do you know what that did to me? Do you know what that did to my heart when you tore me down? I'm like, and he said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. And I said, Dad, I want you to know that I have been forgiven of so much. And my father has loved me through so much difficulty in my life that I forgive you and I love you. And I'm choosing to honor you as my father. And I remember I was out on the porch in um, Lake Lure. 
Well, some of you heard this story before, but I said, Dad, you know, my longing and desire in life is to really know that I have your blessing and that, um, that you really value me, see me, love me. And I said, Dad, would you give me a Father's blessing? I remember I got up early in the morning. It was like 6 a.m. in the morning. I wanted to do it early before he went to work. So we're out on the deck overlooking Lake Lure. He's like, son, I don't know how to do this. I said, well, Dad, just think about all of the, the wonderful things that you would just like to bless me with. Just think about all the good things that you would just like for me to have. He said, I can do that. And my dad just gave me the sweetest blessing of a father. And he just spoke words over me that my heart needed to hear. And it was so beautiful because my, my heart was unlocked when, when I first forgave him. See, because my dad wasn't going to come to me and say, oh, son, I really blew it. Would you please forgive me? I had to take the first step. Scripture says, to whom, love, to whom has been forgiven much, loves much. So I had to venture into that area with my dad. I took the first step. I took the leap. And, I, it, you know, it takes a lot because it's like, oh, deep inside us, the very core is deep in there. But I had to be willing to open up that door and say, God, I am choosing to forgive. So it all starts at the cross. And listen, you got everybody at the base of the cross that were hurling insults at Jesus. We're telling them, if you are God, get yourself down off the cross. They were basically beginning to, as they're driving nails in his hands as, and, and, and a nail in his feet, what does Jesus do at that moment when he's being hurt by those that he loves? He says, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they are doing. He chose to forgive in the midst of, of excruciating pain, of the insults, of the reproach, of what people were, um, were saying about him. So your eternal story can change today when you first receive the good news that he forgives you. He forgives you of all of your sin. And so in the way, the same way that you receive the forgiveness, you're able to all of a sudden turn to your father and offer forgiveness to him. Your healing starts your restoration starts. Your miracle story starts when you say in your heart, Father, I choose first to forgive my dad. For whatever level of hurt and pain or disappointment or him not even being there, you might not even know your father. But there's still that hurt and longing, and it all starts with you first choosing to forgive him. But you might be thinking, you know, Pastor, 
My dad does not deserve to be forgiven. He doesn't. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what I've experienced. And there's no way that I'm going to forgive him because in my mind, that's giving him a free pass. And my dad needs to be held accountable for what he did and what he said and what he didn't say. I understand that forgiving your dad requires a lot. But God is asking, do you want to move on in life from where you are right now? Do you want to go to a new level of understanding that there's a father, a perfect father, who's been cheering you on at all of your recitals all these years? who's been there consistently, overshadowing you, protecting you, loving you, caring for you, cheering you on. And there's that Father's where your heart is filled, that void is filled. And in that, God's not going to all of a sudden pull the rug out from under you like it happened when you were a little kid. The reality is He will be consistent constant, will never change, and will always be faithful and true to the end. He will always stand by your side. When everybody else maybe has forsaken you, the Lord is going to take you up and be with you. But forgiving your dad is not giving him a free pass for all of his hurts and pains. When God offers forgiveness... He's not turning a blind eye to the wrong that dad did. You know what it does, though? Forgiveness of your dad is not to release him from all of his consequences. It's to set you free. And when you forgive your dad, you're actually releasing your dad to Jesus. Because you got to remember this. Jesus said that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. When you forgive your dad and you release him to Jesus, the Lord Jesus will hold your dad accountable for his actions and his decisions. Jesus will deal with your dad. As, as a father has dealt with you. But in that, you're releasing God to deal with your dad. So you holding on to him is not hurting your dad anymore. And you cannot be judge and punisher. Because that is only God's role. He is judge, ruler. He is the one who oversees all the matters. And you cannot in any way... Judge or hold on to anything that you feel like, well, I'm just going to, I'm not going to let go of this because in some way I'm punishing my dad for the way he treated me. I love what Louis Giglio says. Bitterness continues continues to pave a path to your past while forgiveness 
paves a way for your future. Unforgiveness locks you in a prison. This is what happens. Unforgiveness, it, 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 it shuts the iron door of, of a prison cell. And through the bars, you hand the tormentor the keys. So you're actually locked in prison and you're given the keys to the tormentor. But asking for forgiveness is Jesus taking the keys from the tormentor, saying, would you just get out of here right now? And he goes and opens the door and lets you out. You know, in some ways we think we're punishing our father by neglecting him, not wanting him, don't want to talk to him. But the reality is, is that you're only hurting yourself. You're only hurting yourself. And it's time for your heart to come alive and be set free. And I realize that for some, your, your dad, he might not even want forgiveness. Or he might not even think that he really needs it. But, and he might even be, he might even be gone. Your dad might have passed away. But the power of forgiveness begins its work the moment that you forgive him and you release him to Jesus. You know, I'll never forget the day I came home and uh, <laughs> I walked in the door and I had a long day um, at work and Jeremy meets me at the door and, uh, and he looks at me and he said, he's two years old. See, before I got there, before I came home, he was talking to Eliza, and just matter, matter, frankly, matter frankly, he just looked at Eliza and he said, am I the boss? Am I the boss of this house? <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm thinking from a two-year-old, I'm not like, where did he get that? I'm like, so Eliza said, well, it said, Jeremy, you're... Daddy is, is, is boss of the house, and, and Jesus is his boss. So that's the conversation that was had right before I got home. So I open up the door, and Jeremy looks at me like this. You might be the boss of this house, but Jesus is your boss. <laughs> A two-year-old. So in many ways, um, he was just releasing me to Jesus. <laughs> I forgive you for being the boss, but you go to Jesus. So, but when we're able to forgive, it brings healing to your heart. And that longing and that innate desire that you've had since you were a little kid gets met, healed, and restored by a perfect father. No one is a perfect father. Let me just, I mean, there are some wonderful fathers in this room. Amazing fathers. But there's one that is the perfect father. 
And I feel like the Lord wants to lift up your eyes to see that potentially there is a Father in heaven that wants to meet the deep need in your heart and heal you and restore you and love you. Why? Because you've been accepted into his family. And you know what? Can I just say one thing? Once you're in the family, you're always in the family. You don't get kicked out because of bad merit or behavior or you said something stupid. Once a child, always a child in God's house. And that is assuring. That is comforting to know that. So in that, I want to encourage you today. I want you to get, I want the Lord to impart to you revelation of a perfect father that is not too busy for you. He's not an addict. He's not a workaholic. He's not always going to find something wrong with you. But you will discover a father that will always love you unconditionally. Always be proud of you. Always defend you and protect you. And will always be one that you can trust. This is the opportunity for all of our hearts to come alive in the presence of a father that loves us unconditionally. You know, every day I wake up with the excitement of being in the presence of my Father. It's, it's my greatest desire. It's even more greater than getting a cup of coffee in the morning. I, I love being with my Father. And in that, I find out who I am. And I find out that He loves me just right where I am. And I believe that that's an experience that he wants everyone in this room to have. And so today I want to ask you the question, are you willing to take a step, a little step maybe, and get an upgrade today on your understanding of who the perfect father really is? Amen? Amen. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, that Lord Jesus, you're the revealer of your wonderful Father. And I'm asking today that you would give each and every one here a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of knowing God as our Father. I pray, Lord, today that you would help those release hurts and pains to release anything deep within them of their experience and their understanding of God as a father. Of any experience that they've gone through in life, I pray today, Lord Jesus, that forgiveness can be given and there can be a release and that hearts can be restored and that this can be a new day for many people in understanding you as our Father. So Lord, we thank you that you've given us the privilege of calling you Papa, Daddy. So Father, today we cry out, Abba, Father, Papa. And we declare that we love you and we thank you 
for giving us understanding of who you are through your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.